Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. Please stand by. Our service will begin shortly. stand by. Our service will begin shortly. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. Please stand by. Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Carol Kleibaker, your announcer for this, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. The Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service is the organist, Mrs. Susan Seneger, and the acolytes are Drew Creed and Jordan Kleibaker. Today's order of service is at www.trinityfreistat.com, and this broadcast is being sponsored by Joe and Loretta Pennington in honor of their 50th wedding anniversary, which was on July okay, 1st. Okay, just a few announcements before we begin to with worship today. First of all, uh, today is together. the day that there is a covered dish luncheon immediately following the church service across the street in the fellowship hall at the school. Everyone is invited to take part in that, and then our regularly scheduled voters meeting uh, we'll follow that uh, after we, we eat, so please join us for that. Next, Mission and Evangelism. We're doing a food in gathering today. We have a table set up in the narthex to take food and cash donations, so please make sure that you take a look at that. Uh, our adult summer Bible study continues uh, this coming Thursday. We've uh, been off for the last couple of weeks, but we are back at it. 
this Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. in the sanctuary. It's called Read the Readings, and it is a time where we take a look at the coming Sunday's lectionary readings, the Old Testament, the Epistle, and the Gospel. And if you have not yet had the chance to come and to, uh, to, um, uh, come and to take part of that, uh, we pray that, that you would, because it's a very, it's a very valuable time uh, for which to uh, learn more about God's Word and to prepare us for uh, coming Sunday worship. And next, uh, beginning today, even though it, w- it wasn't a great day for it because of the rain, but, but beginning today, the uh, adult Sunday morning Bible class will be meeting here in the sanctuary. Uh, this way, there are no stairs that uh, people have to try to climb up and down in, in order to get to class. So every Sunday beginning today, um, the Sunday morning adult Bible class will meet here uh, at 845 and also, uh, please check your mailbox. Uh, uh, be- just because we have the parish caller with the bulletin doesn't mean that you don't have other mail. <laughs> that it w- it w- that's just how my announcement was written. So there you go. Um, but yes, uh, please uh, check your mailbox because uh, there is other mail and things in there that are very important as well. There is an announcement uh, that, that there is a typo in the parish caller as well having to do with the mixed choir, and I didn't bring my sheet. Where is Carol? Uh, what, what was that typo? On the calendar, it says that choir practice is every Wednesday. It's only the first and third Wednesday of every month. Okay, so the mixed choir practice is the first and third Wednesday of every month. Okay, good. Uh, so please take note of that as well. And so let's begin our worship today with a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the rain today, and we thank you that you have answered our prayers, and we pray that that rain would produce a bountiful harvest for all. Lord, we ask now that as we prepare to worship you, that you would prepare us through your Spirit in heart, mind, and soul. Lord, that, uh, that as we worship you here, that, that you would give us a zeal for your house of worship. Truly, Lord, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Please stand. We make our beginning this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us. Forgive us our sins and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. And so Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son Jesus to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, I will extol you, my God and King. Every day I will bless you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. And they shall sing aloud your Glory, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. On the glorious splendor of your majesty.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, the protector of all who trust in you, strengthen our faith and give us courage to believe that in your love you will rescue us from all adversities. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah chapter 14, verses 20 through 22. O Lord, we acknowledge our wickedness and the guilt of our fathers. We have indeed sinned against you. For the sake of your name, do not despise us. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember your covenant with us and do not break it. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, O Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you, for you are the one who does all this. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Our special music today is How Beautiful, sung by Carol McIntyre. How beautiful the hands that served the wine and the bread and the children of earth. How beautiful the feet that walked the long dusty road and the hill to the cross. How
the sound of good news and the love of the King. How beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the children of earth. How beautiful, how beautiful. Carol and Amanda, that was, that was quite lovely. Thank you. It's now time for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message given today by Miss Menning. Now is a good time to bring up your offering, your mighty mites as well. to have this rain? (laughs) I bet your parents are. I know I am. Uh, In just a few minutes, we are going to hear the gospel message, and there's one verse that I want to focus on today. It is John 17, 17, and it says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And sanctify is a really big word, so I googled it. And you want to know what it says, the word sanctify means? It says sanctify means set apart as or declare as holy. So in this verse, we learn that what sanctifies us? Do you remember? I'll read it again. Oh, Cordell, do you remember? The verse says sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So what is it that's truth? God's word. That's right. And every time we hear God's word, we are sanctified. I want everyone to stop and think right now all of the different places where you might hear God's word throughout your week. Where do we hear God's word? MJ? Where we are right now in church. That's right. Where else do we hear God's word? Carly? In Sunday school? Where else? Grace? Every time that we read the Bible, when else, Cordell? Devotions at home, very good. When else do we hear God's word? How many, what about you, Bradley? When else do you hear God's word? When you talk about heaven, that's right. And every time we pray with our families, Cohen, when else do we hear God's word? 
at home with mom and dad? That's right. How many of you have been baptized? Did you know that when you were baptized, God's word was spoken? And every time we come to communion, we hear God's word over us. Every time God's word is spoken, we are sanctified and we are set apart and we become more holy. I want you to understand, though, that there is nothing we do that sanctifies ourselves. Our sanctification comes from God alone. We, when we pray, when we come to church, when we take communion, that's as a response to God's work of faith in us. And that starts with our baptism, that first time that we hear God's word, and then it continues as we grow older. And just like vitamins and exercise and eating healthy helps us to grow strong, hearing God's word helps us to grow strong in our faith, and we're so thankful for that. So listen carefully today to pastor's message so we can learn more about what sanctification means. And now you guys know what that word means. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for your word and for the saving grace that it brings us through sanctification. We love you so much, and we thank you for for this rain, especially today. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. The epistle reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that this life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God.
Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. Jesus said, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to thee, O Christ.
Would you pray with me, please? Dear Lord Jesus, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This past week, I had the great opportunity to join up with our high school youth in Lawrence, Kansas, which is a lot hillier than what you would think. It is not flat at all, not one bit. There was a lot of walking involved. And it was good exercise. Some of our youth are nodding their heads that that was the truth, and it was so. And during this conference at Higher Things, where, where we, it was the name of the of the group that we went to. Their theme this year was sanctify or sanctification. And I was continually amazed, as I was last year when I went on this same trip with a lot of these same youth and this year with some new ones. I am continually wonderfully amazed and so happy and so full of hope for the future of not only our world but of our church. We have wonderful youth, folks. They're wonderful. They want to learn. They are curious about, their, about Jesus' love for them. They want to know more about it. They are not afraid to discuss it. They're not afraid to talk about it. They're not afraid to ask questions. And so my prayer for all of you is that you would continue to pray for them as they continue, and they are continually sanctified by God's Spirit uh, in His Word and in His truth. And so we're going to be talking about kind of what the conference was about this past week, which again, as I said, was the topic of sanctification. As Amanda said here in the children's message, that word is kind of a big word. It's a long word, and it is often a word that even we as full as Lutherans don't completely understand. To be sanctified simply means to be set apart. And in our context, to be set apart for the purposes of God. To go even a little bit further, to be set apart, to be sanctified, means to, be, to literally be made more holy and more holy each and every day. And so the question then becomes, well, how does that work? How does that process work? And one of the plenaries that we went to, uh, the pastor there really talked about this and went into some really great detail about what this looks like. And he, talks about, and he talked about this in two ways. He said that by being sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Jesus and in his truth means two things. The number one, that we are set free to love, and number two, that we are set free to die. And we're going to be talking about that here this morning, what those two mean. Now, Romans 6, verses 3 through 4, talks about this really, really well and really lays a really nice groundwork. Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. As baptized children of the Heavenly Father, we have new life. We are made new creations. 
In a sermon several months back, I once described this as sort of like the kid that gets the brand new toy and it's in this wrapper. That's like us every day. We are are this brand new creation that hasn't even been outside of the wrapper. And through Christ and through his death and through his blood shed on the cross, we are new. We are made perfect through Christ who gave to us his perfect righteousness. Number one, we are set free to love. This is the active side of sanctification. Now, Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, once talked about what the summary of the commandments is. And he used one word to describe what that summary was. And he said that that word is love. He said, love your neighbor as yourself and love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the summary of the Ten Commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. And as sanctified Christians, as brand new creations in Christ, we are set free to love, to love God, and to love our neighbor. And the Ten Commandments give us the shape of what this love looks like. Commandments 1 through 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, and remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Those two commandments have everything to, I'm sorry, those three commandments have everything to do with our relationship with God. That's what it looks like for us as sanctified new creations, new children, fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what it looks like to love God that we should have no other gods before him, that we should not misuse his name, that we should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. That's what it looks like for us to love God. And then the the second part of that, commandments 4 through 10, have everything to do with how we love our neighbor. Another way of talking about this is, is how we serve our neighbor. You shall not kill, you you shall not steal, you shall not commit false testimony. Don't covet that which doesn't belong to you. And I think sometimes we sort of forget who exactly our neighbors are. They're more than just the people that live next door to you, or if you live out in the country, the person that lives in the field that is next to yours. But your neighbor is your, is your husband. Your neighbor is your wife. Your neighbor is your children. Your neighbor is your family. Your neighbor is the person who, get, who serves you coffee at your favorite coffee place. Your neighbors are those who are gathered here today just like you are to hear God's word and to receive his sacrament. Simply put, your neighbor is everyone. And unlike what we try to do sometimes, you are not allowed to put qualifications on who your neighbors are. What does that mean? That means that you have to love the people that you don't like. 
That means that you have to serve the people that you don't like. It doesn't mean that you have to go to supper with them every single night. But as the New Testament said, um, says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. We could put that another way, too. We serve because it was he that first served us and continues to do so in this, what we call the divine service. That's why it's called that, because God serves us through his word and through his sacraments. And so the Ten Commandments give us the shape of what love looks like. We are set free to love. Now, remember, too, that this process, this process of sanctification, is not something that you do. It is not something that you can sort of conjure up by yourself. No, it begins with the faith that has been given to you and I as a free gift. It is God's work alone. This is why James can say that faith without works is dead, because only genuine faith produces works. Genuine faith that has been given to you and I as a gift of God. We know this from Ephesians, that faith is a gift. That it is not something that any of us can sort of just come up with on our own. And the way that Scripture talks is full of this. It's the exact reason for, I mean, it's the exact reason why we baptize babies. Because it's not our work. It's not us coming to God and saying, God, I'm ready to believe in you now. It's God saying, I have called you from before the foundations of the world. I have called you by name. And you are mine. And when people are baptized, whether it is babies or adults or anybody in between, they are receiving the benefits that God wants for them. Paul says that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth about Jesus. Benefit, um, we know that the sacrament works the forgiveness of sins, that it rescues from sin, death, and the power of the devil, and it gives eternal life to all who believe this. This is what Scripture says. And everybody, whether you are a baby who, who can't talk, or whether you are somebody who is close to death, or anybody in between, you, you get these benefits. And this is not a one-time event. This is why in just a few moments in the Nicene Creed, you will notice that you will say, and I believe in one baptism for the remission of sins. Because being rescued from sin, death, and the power of the devil, being given the forgiveness of sins, being given eternal life, folks, it happens every day because of this. Because of God's working in that sacrament. It's not our work. It's God's work. But if our faith has no works, if our faith is not producing fruit, if we are not serving our neighbor, and we just talked about who our neighbors are, then our faith isn't any good. 
That's what James says. Faith without works is dead. You could also say it like this. The proof is in the pudding. This is why faith has to be a gift. This is why faith must be a a gift. Because how many of you can say, how many of you husbands can say this week that you loved your wife, your neighbor, in the way that God wants you to every single day, every minute of every day? I can't. I definitely can't. How many of you as wives can say that you loved your husbands in the way that Christ wants you to love them every minute of every day in this last week? You can't. How many of you as as sons and daughters can say that you loved your parents, honored them in the way that the fourth commandment tells you to? You can't. None of us can. This is why faith must be a gift, and this is why faith is a gift, because it is kept going, it is is preserved, it is grown. Think of it as a plant in your garden, and the Spirit is the gardener. He cultivates it and makes it grow and continues to do so even when we're sleeping. Again, this process of sanctification becoming more and more holy, more and more set apart for God and His purpose is not our work. It can't be because we mess it up every day. But it is God's work. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. We've heard that before. And this is how you are made holy. God working in you to be the person that you were created to be. To be the people that love and serve their neighbors. And love their God with all of their heart, mind, and soul. So, we are set free to love. And the second part of what this pastor talked about is he talked about being set free to die. And when he first said this, I knew that he was getting somewhere. I knew what the end goal was, but I wasn't sure how he was going to get there. But he did it masterfully. It was wonderful. The Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, when Christ calls a man or a woman, calls them to his own, he bids them come and die. Suffering in this life, on this side of eternity, is the passive side of sanctification. And the Apostle Paul knew about this part of Sanctification quite well. We read from Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. He wrote this, now, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Why can we rejoice in suffering? According to Paul, because suffering produces wonderful things, things like perseverance and character and hope. And guess what that makes you look like? Guess what that turns you into? The child of God that you were created to be. This is why God doesn't always deliver us from the sufferings that we are going through. 
because he is shaping us, because he is molding us into the children of God that we were initially created to be. Perseverance and hope and character. That is why we can rejoice in suffering. This too also, and this, is what I, is this, and this was one thing that I thought that he said that I thought was just spot on. He talked about what the old man is, what our old man is, what our old sinful self is. And he had all of us, because we all have phones, and we all have phones with cameras, take out our phone, put the camera on, and, turn it, and flip the screen around so that you're looking at yourself. That's the old man, the person that you were looking at. The old man, our old sinful Adam, the sin that we were born with, the sin that we will continue to struggle with until Jesus returns and, and this is no longer needed and that is no longer needed. The old man doesn't want to serve his neighbor. The old man says, I'm just, I'm just too tired. I deserve a break too. I deserve, if you are a husband, it might sound something like this. You know, I've worked all day long. I'm the one who is the breadwinner in this family. I want to come home and I just want dinner made for me the way that I want it. And I just want to be able to sit down and relax when I come home. Is that too much to ask? Some of you are smiling because I know that that's what you've been thinking. As a matter of fact, it is. Because, you're, because the first thing that you should do when you come home is check on your wife. How's her heart? How is she doing? Because that's your first calling. That's your first vocation. And if you are a wife, especially a wife who has kids, I just want a break. I'm tired and exhausted. When's my break? When do I get to be done? When do I get some free time? And maybe that time can come, and if you have some help in order to do that, that's wonderful. But your husband is your first priority. And then your children. How's your husband doing? How's, how's his heart? How are your children doing? How are their hearts? Now, keep in mind, I say this, and I don't do this as, as, as a husband and as a father, I don't do this perfectly. I love what the, can I borrow that real quick? I love what the front of our bulletin says. God isn't finished with me yet. He's definitely not finished with me yet. I've got a long way. The old man has no desire to serve our neighbor. That's the first thing. The second thing that he talked about was that the old man will, it will repeat something along the lines of, well, I might be bad, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. The old man loves to judge others in their sin and to point it out. Forgetting the entire time that Jesus said in his Gospels that, you know what? 
Before you start looking at the speck in your neighbor's eye, take out the plank in your own eye. The old man doesn't want to do that. The old man also thinks, well, I'm saved by my piety. I come to church every day, every Sunday, read my Bible every day, pray every day. You know what's wrong with that? It's you who's doing it. It's you who who is doing the work. Now, those things are not bad. Those things are great, wonderful, but they don't save you. What saves you is calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And Jesus calls us to worship. He calls us to pray. He calls us to read his scriptures. The old man wants to be saved by his piety. But again, going back to the very beginning of this message, whose work is it? It's certainly not ours. It is God's work, and it has to be God's work. Because husbands, you and I fail as husbands, as fathers, as friends, as sons, as co-workers. But there is forgiveness. There is always forgiveness because of Jesus who died for you. For you who have been baptized, see how it all comes back? For you who have been baptized into his death, baptized into his resurrection. Seek out your wives for forgiveness and confess to them that you have sinned against them and they will forgive you. And if they don't, come and find me and we'll all talk. Wives, in the same way, confess to your husbands when you have sinned, when you have erred, and they will forgive you. And if they don't, bring him to me and I'll lop him upside the head. It is God's work. We love because he first loved us. And we serve our neighbor, even through suffering, even through difficult times. We have been set free to love. We have been set free to die. And this process, as this this pastor wrapped up his message, this process begins and ends in the only place where it is possible to begin and end. It begins at the cross of Jesus. And it ends at the cross of Jesus. For it was on the cross when our sins were paid for, it was on the cross that, that it was made possible that baptism saves us. It was on the cross that we can receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up in this past week. If you confess your sins, God will forgive you. Why? Because he is faithful and just and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It begins and ends at the cross of Jesus. Our relationships with God and with one another begin and end at the cross of Jesus. And this is how he helps us, how he helps us through his spirit to love, to be free to die, so that we can come to him through him as a new creation. 
And I close with this. With, with this. It, was, it was one of the best illustrations that I have ever heard. He quoted from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And he said this, imagine that, imagine that, that you are running in a marathon. For some of us, like myself, that seems very difficult because I would never do that, but just imagine that. You are running in this race. You are running in this marathon. And do you know how you get close to the end and there are those people on the side who are cheering you on and cheering her on and you can do it and somebody maybe even has a glass of water for you? Imagine that that you are running this race called life on this side of on this side of eternity. And you're running along and running along and there you see grandma and she's cheering you on. Keep going. Keep going. You can do it. You're almost there. You're almost there. Continue to believe. And there's your mom or your dad. Keep going. Keep going. You can do it. You're almost there. And you keep running. You keep running because that's, that's helping you because you feel like you're just about to pass out. And you finally get towards the end. And you see the finish line. And on the other side of, of that finish line, on the other side of that tape is Jesus. And his arms are out. And he says, too, you're almost there. You're almost there. Keep running, keep running, keep running, keep running. I am with you. I am with you to run this race. See, folks, those are the witnesses. That great cloud of witnesses, Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Danny and, and Aunt Joan and, and all of our friends who have died in the faith, those who are in the back here. All of the saints who have gone before us, they're all cheering you on, specifically you on. That's that great cloud of witnesses cheering you on. And again, there is Jesus at the finish line. And you're running and you're running and you're running and you cross the tape and then you finally fall in his arms. And he holds you there and he carries you. I love that image. I love that metaphor because it's not only is it scriptural, but man, I could, I, it, just, it just helped me in my own life so much as well. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, witnesses who also have been sanctified in the truth. Those who have died and gone to heaven who no longer need this, who no longer need, need that, and are cheering us on to the final day when none of us will need these sacraments any longer. Sanctification. It's a big word. It's a lot to unpack. It begins at the cross, and it will end at the cross, and it will end at an empty tomb. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Please stand. We recite together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Nicene Creed, as it is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all the worlds, God of God, by the light, very God, very God, begotten of God, being the one Son of the Father, by the Lord Jesus, for us, for our salvation, for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered in the Spirit, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. Proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we will collect our tithes and offerings in the pew to your side is a red sign-in book. Please fill that out, whether you are a member or a guest with us. Uh, those who receive it on the window, please send it back to the aisle so that the elders uh, can pick up the top sheets uh, when worship is over. We collect our tithes and offerings. Bible study meets each Wednesday at 6.30 a.m. in the chapel. Several ladies' Bible study groups meet during the week in the surrounding areas. For more information, call the church office at 417-235-7300. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness to the public marketplace. Today's message is, And the Pursuit of Happiness, given by guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Dale A. Meyer. When the main goal in your life is your happiness, you've turned it on yourself and away from others, especially God. Turn from yourself to Jesus and you'll know a peace that surpasses all understanding and that is the basis for true, lasting happiness. 
read Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 15, and John chapter 6, verses 22 to 35. And now we return to the receiving of the offerings and the preparation for Holy Communion. In our prayers this morning, we have a few folks that we want to be sure to remember. First, for those in our health list from Melvin McCord, Nancy McRoberts, Flora Overman, Landreth Worm, Ernest Shane, Janice Meyer, Myron Reed, Carol McIntyre, Oren Fritz, Ethel Helmkamp, Joan Haynes, Addison Trokey, Steve Doss, Becky Morgan, Wayne Towers, Bob Dotson, Elda Nelson, Bob Yelinek, Mark Felwalk, Lorne Kleibaker, Linda Wee, Gary Magruder, Billy Voskamp, Thelma Barnes, Emma Conklin, and for Nick Prater. Also for those celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, for Bob and Marjorie Harris, who will celebrate 62 years of marriage on August the 4th. And for Bob Steinberg, who will celebrate 81 years of life on August the 1st. And for Helen Fritz, who will celebrate 81 years of life on August the 1st as well. Please rise as we go to our Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you that the necessary work of salvation in our lives began at the cross of Jesus. He has set us free to love and to serve our neighbor. He has set us free to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. He has set us free to die and to suffer, knowing that this is part of the process of making us more and more set apart for him. Help us, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to live the sanctified life where Christ is at the center. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the whole family of God in Christ Jesus, that all his baptized children be strengthened with power through his Spirit in our inner being, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we may be rooted and grounded in love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For an increase in full time church workers, for the spread of the gospel, that many may come to, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and so be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the leaders of our nation, all public servants and all in the armed forces, that they be given grace to fulfill their varied callings with honor, courage, wisdom, and integrity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who are in need, the sick, the sorrowing, the lonely, the injured, and the dying, especially for those who are on our health list, and for all that we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, also for the Senninger family upon the passing of Maxine. We pray that Christ Jesus would even be their health in sickness, their peace in turmoil, their joy in sorrow, and their life in death. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week, especially for Bob and 
Marjorie upon celebrating their 62nd wedding anniversary. We pray to you that by your Holy Spirit that you would help them to remain faithful to each other and to the vows that they have made. Uplift them, Lord, in their love for one another and especially their love for you. Also, we pray for Bob and Helen who have birthdays this week. Thank you, God, that you have sustained them in life to this day. And we pray that your face would shine upon them every day of this next year. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For all who draw near today to, to the altar, not merely to touch the fringe of the Savior's garment, but to partake of his very body and blood, that this sacrament may be to them for the forgiveness of sins, for courage in resisting temptations, for service in Christ's kingdom, and finally, as a pledge of the glories of a life that has no end. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord, our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us in all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe, I believe that Jesus, that Jesus Christ, Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, sin Satan, Satan, and death. And death. I believe, I believe that the risen Christ, Christ is really present, present in the sacrament, sacrament. and under and the form, under the of, the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood, and blood for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of, my of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. 
this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. to me, ye weary, found on page number 684 of the Lutheran Service Book. Again, come unto me, ye weary, found on page number 684.
Please rise. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. The closing hymn is With the Lord Begin Your Task, page number 869, verses 4 and 5. Again, With the Lord Begin Your Task, page 869, verses 4 and 5.
Once again, a very special word of welcome to all guests and visitors today. Thank you very much for joining us for worship today, and we pray that your time here was a blessed one. Uh, we now have the covered dish luncheon that will take place in the Fellowship Hall uh, right across the street here, and uh, all are invited to take part in that, and then we will have our uh, schedule of voters meeting to take place immediately after that. Why don't we uh, say the common table prayer together before we eat? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. May our souls by thee be fed, ever on the living bread. Amen. And again, one more reminder of read the readings, the adult Bible class that will be here in the sanctuary on Thursday from 7 to 8.